0: Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for God's Pocket.
1: Are telling me there was something wrong with the horse made her quit 300 yards from the finish? She hit the stretch and just quit.
0: Turns out, she sucked up air, you know. A couple gallons of air get trapped up in there, and she cramps up, and she can't run. Very uncommon. The working men of God's pocket are simple men. They work, marry, and have children. And until recently, they die like everyone else. 22 year old construction worker was killed yesterday when he slipped and fell to his death. Leon Hubbard didn't slip on nothing.
1: Something happened to
0: Leon over at that job. Something nobody's told us yet. I'll see what I can find out. Jeannie's got some idea that something else happened on that, Leon. I was hoping you could ask around for me. You, you want me to talk this out? I just want to make Jeannie feel better. Can I help you? I'm Richard Shelburne of the Daily Times. I'm so sorry for your loss was the
1: body messed up. It's just the back of his head What I did has nothing to do with you And what you got to worry about is making sure that everything is all right, and then you get your money Mr.
0: Shelburne, I need to know what happened to my boy, please body in the street
1: mickey leon was in the truck with the meat
0: he was separated from the meat i knew that would upset you
1: i've been writing the story of this city for 20 years i love this city that's
0: the stupidest thing i heard all day Kill you. Stop, stop, off it. You're getting, yeah. you're, you're getting blood all over your pants.
1: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this afternoon's guest moderator from New York Magazine and NPR's Fresh Air, David Edelstein. And today's guest, John Slattery. Good afternoon. Thank you for coming. Hello. And, uh, and I want to thank you for. This terrific movie, God's Pocket, and also for letting Don come back to work. That was really, um, and we're gonna we'll talk about um, Mad Men after we we talk a little bit about God's Pocket. Um, it's fun, I, my friend Lisa Rosman, my colleague was. Uh, they were just reminiscing about about Newton, Massachusetts, um, and I, I just realized it's so funny. I've seen you uh, for, for so many years on stage and on screen, playing wasps. Um, you know politicians and and you know wasperat like Roger Sterling and and um, and and you're you're this you know guy from a big Irish Catholic family in in uh, in, in the bad part of Newton right um, so what how did you get this uh, sort of typecasting for a while of playing these wasp guys and what does that feel like well, um, I don't know how but.
0: Uh you know, I mean, that's what Hollywood does. That they, they you've, they, you have some success in one area, and that's that's what you get. That's what they want you to do. People tend to surround themselves with someone that you know that's with, with the, as sure a thing as they can. So if they go, oh, that guy can play a politician. I saw him do it in something else. And if you, you know, you need to work. So and if it's well written, and it's two or three similar sort of. Uh, you know, character types, then that's, you know, you can you can do yourself damage that way. It takes a little while to look up and see the bigger picture. I, you know, it took
1: me a little while in the beginning to do that. Did, did you feel like you were sort of sneaking in there under false pretenses, or was it just part of what you did?
0: Um, I felt I was sneaking in under false pre- set, pretenses in general, because no one in my family had ever done anything show business related or or anything you know remotely resembling it so when I've got a offered a job years ago initially I took whatever I got because I thought well I was just thrilled to be hired um, so you know then you it, it takes you while well. when you're young you're a young actor and you don't you don't have a lot of choices you know you you and you and you, you have to survive in New York City which is what's more expensive now but it it, it wasn't cheap then and
1: so you have to work and you have to, you don't have a lot of choice. And you you seem to be affiliated with projects that have a great deal of alcoholism <laughs> in it. If you haven't, you haven't seen God's Pocket, but it, uh, many of the scenes are in a, uh, a working class bar. I, th- I think it's fair to say it's, a, it's, a, it's an ugly, vicious, kind of sodden place, although it does have its warm humanitarian side. Pete Dexter, the, the novelist, Obviously knows those places well from his time as a reporter uh, as a daily columnist for the Philadelphia Daily News um, what about what is it about alcoholism and you that seem to uh, not personally but <laughs> that you seem to, 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 to gravitate to projects like this
0: um. I don't know about the alcohol. I think it's the humor that I gra- gravitate toward. I mean, it might be a vicious place, and it might not be the most attractive place. But the humor is what struck me in this book and in this in the, in these characters. And maybe the alcohol has a, you know, has an is it you know takes away some of the inhibitions and allows people to to sort of succinctly put a point on what they want to say, including the character I play on the TV show. So maybe that's it, but it isn't really. I mean, again, it's coincidental. I have a certain sense of humor. I think the character I play on Mad Men has that, I mean, you know, after a while, the writers write to what you sort of give them. Um, but this book, you know, when I read it a long time ago, um, it was that kind of, it was that humor that I that I got. And the and despite the, 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 the circumstances, it was the hope and the struggle of this guy, Mickey Scarpato, who was played by Phil Hoffman, to get to do right by his wife and to take care of his friends, and that you know that was that was what struck me.
1: The optimism is a you know in the midst of all that cynicism. But it's funny the the movie is is violent. It's bleak. It's I, I got to say it's crazy sick, but it's also hilarious. I mean, almost every line, you know, is like I was like I was roaring. You know, first of all, the actors are so wonderful to watch, and you give them so much space. But also, it's like every, every line can be twisted in order not only to show the tragedy of these people's lives, but the farce of their lives.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's a bedrock code of casual violence and mayhem that just happens. You know, it just, there's a guy gets punched in the nose and it happens over there and people just kind of look and continue what they're doing because it's the way they, it's the currency. If you don't get what you need, you have to be prepared to do something like that. Some guy has a gun or some other guy will slap you around or, or hit you with a shovel or whatever it is. Um, but it, that had to be believable to me in a bedrock sense and an unsensational sense so that it could spring into the absurd part of it. You know, I mean, the, the, the water keeps rising on this guy and he's just trying to do the right thing and he, he's, uh, he just can't do it and it gets more and more absurd as it goes on. And, um the violence
1: just had to had to be convincing it at its at rest it really does have a kind of a farce structure because because uh, if you, if you don't know and, and you can tell us a little bit more about the plot what sets it in motion is the killing under very peculiar circumstances of a very disturbed young man on a on a construction site and in in the course of trying to both cover it up and trying to get to the bottom of why it happened it it sets off mayhem. And, and, and when I say farce, I mean there literally is a dead body that's toted around and propped up in a meat truck and falls out. I don't want to give anything away, but, but it, it is almost like you're working with a very tight farce structure that comes out of this act of violence. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's... And that has to be played straight. And you have to, you have to set up
0: this, this kid, you know, who gets killed is the, the stepson of Phil's character, Mickey, and... Um, and he's not a nice guy. And he has to be painted as such in short order so that when he does, in fact, get... I won't say how he gets killed, but... Uh, when he does get killed, uh, the only person who cares about it is his mother. Everyone else is sort of, you know, the, the, the good riddance. Um, which, again, allows it to be funny. I mean, if, 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 if it was that heartbreaking... it was tr- It's tricky. The tone of the book was tricky. When I read it, I thought, you know... It, it, it encompasses this this hard scrabble world, these people really sh- straight on trying to get what they want, but it is funny, and every one of them is funny in their own particular way, and every one of them is 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 different from everyone else. And John Turturro plays a guy named Arthur Bird Capizio who uh, only dresses in yellow <laughs> He has these canary glasses he wears and he drives a big yellow Cadillac. and he but and yet he's not to be trifled with um, uh, you know Mickey Scarpado, smiling Jack Moran, who's a funeral director, who with a tendency to punch people, you know, when they're not looking. Um, and they all live, and they all live in this fishbowl of a community where they all know exactly who they're dealing with. They've all there's a narration in the beginning. It's an it's a it's an article that Richard Jenkins' character writes in the local newspaper, saying that they, they all they, they they've all grown up together. No one leaves. They've they've all seen each other naked. They know who cheats at cards, who slaps their kids around, who they've stolen from each other, they've set each other's houses on fire, then they've borrowed money from the people they stole it from, and, you know, that's... So there's no way to bullshit anybody, even though they try. They're trying to get one over on someone else, and everyone knows, everyone can see through everyone else. So it's it's a very unique sensibility that was all
1: conjured up in Pete Dexter's book and why I wanted to make the movie in the first place. Did you manage... uh, You had actors coming in for a relatively short time. I know this was shot pretty quickly, right? did you manage to kind of create a family out of the cast? And uh, we can talk about specific cast members uh, soon, but did you, did, was that something you were comfortable doing, creating a kind of atmosphere where everyone could contribute?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I hired these, you know, I waited for Phil to be free to do the movie. Um, he liked the script. I, sent, I, I wrote the script. It took me a long time to write it. Um, I got, uh, the, the short version is I read the book about 10 years ago. I tried to get the rights. I was told they weren't available. I forgot about it. Five years after that, someone reminded me of the book. So I, said, I called, and they said, oh, they're available again. So I wanted to outline the script because I had written a bad script in, in the interim. So I thought, I don't want to take the time to do that. I outlined it. By the time I finished it, it took me about a month. I called and said, okay, let's do it. And they said, oh, we made a mistake. It, the same people still own the rights. So I thought, well... If they've owned the rights for this long, it's been about 20-something years, I thought, well, maybe they're not going to make it if I don't make it. So I just kept writing it while I was doing other things. And it took me about three more years to get a draft that I was happy with. And um, just because I was busy doing I would sit in a trailer making a movie and do this instead of watch TV. And, uh, and, uh, and, I, and then I sent it to Phil Hoffman, and he said he liked the script. I, sent it, I offered him the part of Shelburne, the reporter that Richard Jenkins plays, and he said, I like the script, but I want to play Mickey. Which took me about a minute to figure out what a good idea that was, and uh, and uh, and and then it was a matter of scheduling. So once we figured out his schedule, then I then you know armed with that script, which is a, the Pete Dexter book, and and Phil Hoffman, you know it took me it, it it literally I think Richard Jenkins read it in about an hour and a half and called me back, and Turturro and Christina Hendricks was close by on the set of Mad Men, so she said yes pretty pretty. It, you know, it, everyone wanted to work with Phil. And 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 there are so few good, you know, actors are so starved for good material that, that they all said yes like that. And it became a th- about scheduling. But to answer your question, I hired all those people for them to do what they do. I didn't hire them so that I could tell them everything, you know. I mean, Relance Accord, who shot the movie, is one of the great cinematographers. He's a friend of mine and claims I made a drunken bet with him that if I got Phil to star in the
1: movie, he'd shoot it. Um, which I don't remember. By the way, the movie looks extraordinary. The yeah. fashions are horrible, and the interiors have this kind of soupy yellow and green quality that you know they must have worked very hard to get. Very hard. But the point is,
0: I, I, I mean, the, the, the costumer Donna Zakowska did John Turturro's movie, which was, is out now, too, and she's a brilliant woman, and, she's, and, and I hired them all to contribute, the production designer who built the bar, who, which didn't exist. and I mean, that's why I hired them. So I don't know if it was about creating a family because people are in and out and busy and Tortura is in for a week and people are in you know so it's, it's it was really an intensely focused 24day shoot um, where yeah I mean you have to be open to the best idea in the room I mean I, I knew that I have limited experience as a director, but I know as an actor if I, I want to, someone to give me something that's going to Give me an idea. That's the best work. When when I feel like oh, they make it make me think it's my idea. And if I could do that and encourage them to just sort
1: of get them close and let them go, then that was that was the idea. Uh, 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 when you see the movie, one of the most heartbreaking things, obviously, is it's one of Philip Seymour Hoffman's great performances, um, which is I almost wish it hadn't been. Um, One thing that struck me about this performance is that he is playing the character, he's in kind of a stupor, kind of a melancholy stupor for the entire movie, and yet he's not one of these actors who generalizes. So he reacts to that combination of reacting to everything, every millisecond, every person in his orbit, showing all these fine shades within this general kind of slow, depressed... Affect was something that I don't think any actor would have risked doing in quite that way.
0: He had, he, he, he had a specific... Again, I, I, told, I said I offered him this other part, and he said, oh, I want to play that part. And, and then eventually we sat down, and, and, and I was surprised at how specific he already... He, he, he was already talking about it. The scenes of, of, about his relationship with Jeannie and... Jeannie and, uh, is his wife, Genie played by Christina Hendricks. Yeah. Um, and and why this character would stay in this place? He's a guy with with very shallow roots. His father was a truck driver, and he's a truck driver. And and he um, and he's married to this woman who had a son from a former marriage. And and he's constantly being reminded, oh, you're not. Remember those girls when the th- oh yeah, you're not from here. You know, everybody's always reminding him that he's not from here. And or if you were here, you'd 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 know why this is the way we do it. And you wonder why is he fighting to get into this community that clearly doesn't want him and then it takes him th- the whole movie to figure out that he doesn't want them either. Um, but he, it's the humanity. It's, 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 it's this guy doing uh, everything for his wife. There's a line in the book that he said if he didn't, if he lost, he knew that if he lost her, she'd be the last woman he ever got without paying for it. And he just he he could see that and and phil had a way of saying you know this guy sort of sticks his head above the fray and knows his position he knows that where he is people think he's a tough guy and a made guy or maybe or he's connected and they're not sure but he has that respect he has that menace and yet he's really not that guy you know he's trying to figure out where he where he is and that all appealed to him and um and it's all extremely specific and uh yeah I mean he's just one of those actors that you could you just would watch him he'd be deep emotionally into a scene and then and then you'd see him remember where the camera was and just shift everything so that the camera got everything he was doing. There wasn't a thing in that movie that he got that we didn't that that isn't on film, and i mean. And then, and then, the, and then, in the edit process, he was approved from the film. He would say, "There's a better take. You know, there's a take at, at the end of the scene where the two of us are fighting. It's a little funnier." And and you know, whatever things get lost, and you dig through the, the takes, and sure enough, he was always right about that.
1: Um, Richard Jenkins told me I, I know that he that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman had a very complicated attitude toward his whole body, toward his body and and his acting. He told me that he had sat through the movie several times, and he said it was one of the few movies he's made that he could sit through that he just, he thought he got it. He he thought he nailed the character. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, we, we sat
0: together and screened it in Sundance for 1,200 people, and the the two of us were not going to do that. Too nerve-wracking, you know, especially being in I'm so, you know, being in it and watching yourself for the first time with a big audience is one of the... Um, uh, really disturbing experiences um, it's, even if it's even if you're happy with it it's distracting you 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 you're, you're trying to get over a, a thing you're thinking about it and then the next scene is so you're not really in the movie but he said i mean and i was we were sitting together and he yeah we, we had a great time he was very pleased with it which is makes me as a filmmaker and a friend feel good because i'm not selling something that he wasn't uh, that he didn't think had integrity which meant everything to him. I mean as an as a as an artist, you know, he that's what that's why everyone wanted to work with him.
1: I mean it wasn't just the talent, it was the choices that he made. I'm I'm sure you've thought about this a million times, but was there any indication either on screen or off screen that he was struggling, that he was a tortured soul during the course of doing the work? No, we just worked. It was just about, you know,
0: we just it was an intense Lee focused period, and
1: uh, that was it. No, were you were you blindsided by by what happened? So, yeah, like everyone else was. Yeah. Let's shift gears a little bit. Um, to Mad Men, you're now in the. I said that I thanked you, and I, I truly did thank you for for letting Don come back. Uh, can you can you talk a little bit about Roger Sterling's um, arc over the course of? I, I mean, he seemed to have some sort of transcendental experience in one of the great episodes of Mad Men last year, in which everybody was having a kind of drug trip uh, on, on in different different layers. Can you talk a little bit about where he's gone since since the pilot? To where he is going to be in the next in in this coming last sort of two half seasons. Um, well, I mean, I think all of the
0: characters uh, have have evolved. I mean, that's part of the his Matt's Matt Weiner. That is Matt's um, intention was to tell the story of this decade, this tumultuous decade in this the history of this country where. You know, you're really sort of in the Eisenhower era, still the beginning of it, and then the '60s, as we know them, sort of bled over into the middle of the '70s, um, and and to sort of tell the story of these people who weren't the movers and shakers of those of that decade, but like the rest of us, just people who were going to work on the day Kennedy was assassinated, and the day Marilyn Monroe died, and the day, you know, and to. Sort of peripherally chronicle history while telling the story of these people, so the like everyone in this room, you know time changes, you change with those times or you or you go kicking and screaming and resist changing um, and some of the the best part of that show is the people you think are going to change don't and Roger, the character I play, is 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 if you think about it, the where he came from, he came from a very privileged background where he didn 't get a lot of rejection he didn't get a lot of um, uh, n- negative response he was pre- it was a permissive culture, so it makes sense that he would then be the one to go i 'll try that you know uh, why not i mean uh, he has he has a cushion of money and and position, whereas Don Draper who 's built himself out of a thin air, is resistant to change because anybody that scratches the surface of that character is going to find he 's afraid the truth um, and then everyone in between, you know, I mean, uh, it's, it's just a, I mean, I asked him that, you know, having made this movie, like, I can't even imagine creating a television series which is, you know, three-dimensional and a peri- over a period of years, and, and he said, well, you have to remember, you do it one show at a time. I mean, it, 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 you stand back and look at it, and it looks monumental, but one show at a time, um, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I, I mean, every time anybody tries to second guess him, or or, or it, to answer your question, where do I think it's going to go? I have no idea. I've done seven of the last fourteen, or we've done eight or nine of them now, and I still don't know where it's going to end up. Um, You're in the middle of shooting it now, or we've shot the first break? seven that will be that are on that are airing now, and then we have seven more that will air next year, and uh, we're about halfway through those, I think and i again i don't i have no idea how it's going to end and i don't know whether i don't even know what where it's going to end so we get these scripts you start s- sniffing around <laughs> trying to find them before they get distributed to you so you can actually work cuz we're all in the i mean i keep saying he should put you should see these table reads the the cast and the and then the day play the the, the visiting cast and then the stu- executives and the, peop- the people the people writers and the, and it's like this electric room when the, and, the, and it's this page turner for an hour, that that no one really knows where it's going to go except for the, those of us
1: that have read it earlier that day. It's pretty remarkable. Um, we're going to show another clip in just one second. But one one more question about Mad Men. Those of us have have noticed um, with with envy and alarm. You have about point zero 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 one percent body fat, and and I'm. I, and I'm just (laughs) and I'm just curious what kind of regime is this just good genes or what kind of regime as an you know as a result of that that you can comfortably appear as you do in certain episodes of the show oh that's not my choice you know I mean you mean naked is that what you're talking about well I'm I'm talking about that but I'm also talking about the fact that you 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 seem an extraordinarily disciplined person oh no I'm not
0: I have some. I I like to. Uh, I go surfing a lot. That's what I do when I'm not working. So that's it. Burns. It burns. I suppose calories. But no, I have no. Um, I have no. Uh, if anybody that knew me was here, they'd be. Little, you'd hear them laughing, at my at the thought of my discipline. Uh, I have a lot of energy. I I mean, I made this movie. You know, you have to have a certain amount of like. You know, If you want something to happen, you have to, ha- you have to make it happen, because no one else is going to do it for you. So I do have energy in that sense, and, and, and I, I, you know, I'm not a writer, because if I was a writer, I would write every day. But I know g- what I think is good writing. And I like this book, and so I sat down and said, all right, I'm going to finish this. Um, but uh, no, and, and, and t- I mean, you know, <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> I have no discipline whatsoever. Yeah, but surfers, or dietary are, restrictions. surfers are like inhumanly coiled or something when it comes They're to... They're
0: really not. You, see, you should see these guys. There's a lot of fat slobs out there surfing that are extremely talented surfers. And they figured out how to do it so well that they don't even have to paddle. They just get themselves in the right place. The wave comes. They just stand up and go. You're like, look at that guy. He's wearing a diaper. And he's just flying along. Um, I'm not so good at it. so that it takes me more, more, It takes more work for me.
1: We're going to show one more clip and then we're going to open it up. Um, what? What? Uh, can you set this clip up? Tell us what we're, which one we're going to see. Is this the one in the car? This is. Oh yeah,
0: this is the. Oh, so This is the early on. They're going to. Um, they steal trucks. Uh, Terturo, Phil, and this other guy. Um, usually just for tr- Turturro and uh, uh, John Turturro, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and the actor named Dominic Lombardosi who plays Sal, who is. Um, a, a kind of a, is, is, is John Turturro's boss and uh, he's going along to make sure the thing goes smoothly because he owes John Turturro owes him some money and they normally only do it, Phil and John are normally or I should say Bird and Mickey are uh, partners and they do it themselves one drives to where they're going to go the the, the, the the truck theft is already worked out someone gets paid they take the truck they take the meat out of the truck. They, they sell meat, by the way. Um, in, they, they, they steal the meat out of these long-haul trucks. They cut it up and they sell it in the neighborhood. And the insurance pays for the meat. It's like a scam that they've worked out. And this guy is, uh, is going along with them. And, uh, and they're talking about horses because they like to bet on the horses. I think that's the clip. And also, Bird is heavily in debt to this Bird is heavily guy. in debt to the guy in the front seat who isn't saying anything. And it doesn't seem like a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Horse, a fantastic, beautiful horse, talented horse. Hard for me to believe. I've seen it myself in Florida. You're telling me there was something wrong with the horse's pussy, made her quit 300 yards from the finish? Turningly for them was, she hit
1: the stretch and just quit. Turns out she sucked up air, you know, vaginally. Uh, a couple gallons of air get trapped up in there and she cramps up and she can't run. Very uncommon.
0: in the trailer they wouldn't let us use the word vaginally it's it's
1: it gets worse after that. <laughs> what Toshuro's response anyway you know I, I I had this problem in an NPR in Fresh Air I was describing Scarlett Johansson in Under the Skin and they would not let me use the word vagina yeah apparently I had, no one will go see a movie with the word vagina in it I had to use private parts I will which is okay oh good Okay, um, who has a who has a question? I'm sure you many do. Yes, your hat. What does it say, and why <laughs> are you says, wearing it? I'm, it says Harbor
0: Surfboards, which is a company in Seal Beach, California. And I'm wearing it because my it's the uh, it's the 19 late 60s on Mad Men, and and I look like Martha Washington when I'm not uh, in full Roger Sterling mode. So I'm... Uh, it's an occupational hazard that you see
1: in front of you. So I'm covering it with a hat. Oh, so we know we know that Roger grows his hair. That's
0: yes, well, point. you've Spoiler. already seen it. It happened last year, but... Uh, and it's, or it's already out. That, 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 that is already out of the bag, yeah. The sideburns and the ha- all that. Does Hollywood also typecast you as an actor versus a director? And what was your journey from transitioning from one to the other? Um... Yes, they will. I mean, I know people that, that were actors that would stop acting and had to stop acting because they would, they couldn't be taken seriously as a director. Um, I th- probably had some advantage, you know, b- having been on Mad Men for a little while. Um, and uh, when I started, I asked... I, always, I, I wanted to direct for a while, but I never found the right scenario because every time I would sign on to some project and play a movie, a television show... Were, it was set up, there was already a director. There was, a, there was the part and that was it. When Mad Men it started, it became apparent early on that it was going to be on for a while. It had sort of hit a nerve and it was also apparent how good it was from the inside. You know, all the directors, producers, every single person on that, in that uh, studio is amazing. I mean, really talented at what they do. So I thought it would be a great learning ground, so I asked if I could follow some of the directors around without asking officially if I could direct because I knew that would put pressure on them. They might say no to... So they said, yeah, go ahead, whatever. So I I followed a couple of directors, Phil Abraham, who's a cinematographer, because he sort of waited on the side that I didn't know much about. I knew how to work with actors. I didn't know much about the technical part of it. how shot. I mean, I knew from standing around at movie sets for a long time and I, you know, had my own opinions about how I would do it if given my chance. And then eventually I asked if I could have an episode, and then they thought about it and uh, finally said yes, and then it went well enough, and I've done five or six of them. And um, and I, so, so I, I... But outside of that, if I hadn't written this thing myself and given it to a friend who has a production, I mean, I, I figured it out, well, I'm... I'm if I no one was going to give me, no one was going to send me a script. If I had stopped directing Mad Men and said, okay, to, to the agency that I'm with said, okay, g- g- let's let's try to get a, a directing job, I might have gotten another episode of a television show or something like that. So I didn't want to do that. I mean the directing television to me is is you're facilitating someone else's vision. In this case, Matt Weiner's vision, which is pretty good vision. Um, and I had zero experience, so I thought, well, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. At the same time, they want you to interpret that script. They give you the script, they tell you what they want, and they expect you, though, to put your fingerprint on it. And so it's it's, it, but but it really is entirely. And then they take it back all the footage, and then they recut it. Inevitably, so you have to let go of that part of it too. This, I, I so I wanted to do my own thing, and I had the script that I've been working on, and so it was a, sort of a natural albeit truncated evolution um, but again if you 're going to do anything you know I mean if someone sees you as one thing then it's up to you to f- to, f- to find out how to change
1: their vision yeah so you're also saying that the uh, the auteur in television is the showrunner and the creator A- absolutely Whereas you want it to be you wanted to to, to shape this vision yeah. you know yourself
0: yeah the, the in television the 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 person with all the power is the person who creates the show, not the director. The director comes changes every week because you have to... The way it works, you have a 10-day shoot. You shoot an episode in nine days. So you have nine days to prepare the episode while another one is shooting. So you walk around with the first assistant director and, and some location scouts. You figure out where to shoot it. And then you figure out how to shoot it without the cinematographer most of the time. And, and, and the other producer... You know you, you, you sort of work it out the week prior... And then they finish shooting one episode, and on the same day they start shooting the other one, and then you and then you go start shooting. Um, so the director is just a guy who comes. You know, a lot of times they go from they'll go from California Cation to Mad Men to 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 some other show, and and it's a grind. That's a difficult way to make a a living. Um, so that, but but the person with all the the you know the the say with all the authority is Matthew Weiner, and he's the one who's. He has a, there's a writers room, so they write the scripts and together. But he rewrites everything, and it really and and that's the way it is in television. The creator, the writer, producer, executive producer gets all the has all the power. Hi, how's it going? Hi, um, two two questions not really related. First question: Do you know why there wasn't any audio commentary on the sixth season of Mad Men? It's very important to me. Um, and then also, what's next? What do, you, do you have another movie you are thinking about or do more TV? I don't know why there isn't any auto... I think we're going to do... I think we're, that's probably... We'll do that at some point. There usually is one, which is always fun, sitting in a room somewhere with John Hamm bullshitting about those episodes. Um, you're uh, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I don't know. I have uh, no... I mean, the movie hasn't even... We screened it in L.A. the other night. A um, premiered it in L.A. We do the same here tonight at the IFC theater. And then uh, and then it comes out on Friday at the IFC in New York and uh, two theaters in L.A. And then the weekend after that, uh, all over the country. And um, I don't know. I mean, if it gets, uh, you know... A, a, a positive enough response, I suppose. I'll, I'll maybe I'll get another job. Um, Mad Men's finished in June, so it's really the end of a of a. I mean, being that my whole directorial career, as it were, uh, is, is is has come from Mad Men, and 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 by the time it finishes, it will have been ten years. My son was six years old when we started. He's si- he'll be sixteen when it finishes airing next year. Kiernan Shipka, the the girl who plays Sally Draper with six years, same age. She, she's been on the show longer in her life than she hasn't been on it. So it's, so it's the end. And in, in June, I, everything stops and, uh, and, and I have to figure out now what to do. I don't know if I, I I'm looking at a, trying to find a book. This process, I like this process of finding a book and then adapting my own screenplay from it. Um, I know you said you've been on the show for a long time. So if you could just talk about what that experience has been and what you would like to see Roger,
1: how your vision of what Roger would end up like on the end or something?
0: Um, Well, the experience has been um, unique to... Shows like this don't really come along very often. I've done other television shows, and I've done all kinds of other stuff. It's rare that something comes along that gets this kind of attention that has... This kind of, um, I don't know, a, a pedigree, and 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 uh, and also, you know, all the 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 company of actors and and the whole crew, we've we've all been together for a long time. We've had children and marriages, and you know, it's been a, 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 a an amazing period of time. In that regard, personally as well, we've all become very close. Um, so it'll be very I- heavy when it's finished. Uh, and also the security of knowing that you have this job that provides you with all these opportunities to go do something else. It, it takes about six months of the year, and then the other six months of the year we're free to go do a play or a, or 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 do this or you know whatever you can figure out. But but that opportunity has probably been given by the Mad Men. So um, uh, I don't know. It, maybe it'll take until this time next year when we you, we would normally have start started shooting to feel weird about it but I, th- I feel like uh, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure how it's it's it'll feel uh, as far as the character you know uh, people ask me that all the time is like what do you how do you want the character to turn out and I don't really um, I've stopped uh, second guessing or trying to figure out or, or you know I, I never offer up suggestions because he's such a good writer he has such a specific vision of this thing, that anything any of us could cook up wouldn't be anywhere near as good. So you just, you know, you just accept what it is
1: and uh, see where it goes. So, so your fate is in the hands of God, sort of like the rest of us mortals. Yes, God as Matt Weiner. Yes. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll love that. Yeah. I have one last. Question. I've seen you on stage a couple of times in that, that terrible play, Cakewalk, uh, back in Boston, <laughs> and uh, also in the no great one knows play. what the hell you're In the great about. play, uh, Rabbit Hole uh, on Broadway, which was a stupendous performance. Um, are you? Um, uh, you know, could we see you again on Broadway? Is that something yeah, you'd well, like to do? Uh, yeah,
0: if you. Uh, that would be. F- I would love to do that. Um I haven't done that in years. Uh Rabbit Hole was the last play I did that was, I don't know, six, seven five or six years ago. Uh, Two thousand
1: seven, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um absolutely would love to do that. But you know, I mean uh, we all I think you don't get into this business well, maybe some people do, to 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 play the same part forever. Um so I'm I'm looking forward to the seeing what, 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 what comes, I mean it's, it's a little, you know, it, you, you never really shake that feeling that you'll never work again, you know, that, but, but and people give you that look and they go, really, come on, and then you go, yeah, well, you know, was it Morgan Freeman won the, uh, you know, he said, he was, I was, listen, I was doing electric company last year, you know, and he, you know it's, it's a reality, it happens all the time, so I mean, I'm not afraid that I'm never going to work again, but, and I actually enjoy the, the
1: idea that I have no idea what's coming. Uh, you know, I know of one staggeringly important critic who who loves the movies, so I can. Uh, that's that's so I don't know what the reception is otherwise. Um, um, <laughs> He's talking about himself. Uh, no. Uh, if you haven't seen a, a, a low-budget movie with uh, Linda Cardellini called Return, a fantastic performance as a kind of OxyContin. Alcoholic, uh, really scary, scary guy. But your assignment is to is to rent this movie or see it see it wherever you can see it. In addition to seeing God's Pocket on Friday, and in addition to watching Mad Men tonight. And I want to thank the Apple Store and and you guys and John Slattery thank for you. the honor. Thank you, everybody.